Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with me a little bit. Anyway, a couple of stories from me told at Spark London True Storytelling Nights. I host the Hackney branch of Spark London, which happens on the second Monday of every month. The next one of those is happening on Monday the 13th of November at the Hackney Attic, which is upstairs at the Hackney Picture House. Doors open at 7.30. The first of these stories was told at the Hackney Night. The second one that you'll hear was told at the Brixton night, which happens on the third Monday of every month, upstairs at the Ritzy in Brixton. One of the reasons that I'm sharing these stories is that I've currently run out of conversations, so hopefully I'll be recording some more soon. If not, to fill in gaps, I'll either put out more true stories or I'll put out more of the GBA replayed episodes where we revisit some of the early conversations from this show. And one of the biggest reasons that I have run out of conversations is that I've just got loads and loads of things happening at the same time. And I've got kind of work for lots of different projects happening. So I spent a lot of last month editing my other podcast, The Family Tree. And if you're missing GBA style conversation, then you should check out the most recent episode of The Family Tree that went out on Monday. It's a family tree cutting. So It's conversations with real people exploring themes that the fictional show brings up. And the conversations that I have in Monday's episode are with my dad and with my brother. And then there's some clips from one of the episodes of Getting Better Acquainted that went out last year with my friend Radcliffe Royds. And I think that episode, whilst it still is part of a fictional show, will give you your GBA fix if you feel like you're missing it and if this shorter episode doesn't quite give you the fix that you need. One of the things that I've been doing, which has taken some time away from potentially recording conversations for getting better acquainted, is that for the last eight weeks I've been putting out personal essays that I've written about my dad and my relationship with my dad, uh, looking at his kind of descent into dementia and old age and how that's affected our relationship and what our relationship is. And my dad has been in my mind a lot recently and also in my life, like I've been seeing him a lot and looking after him and seeing his kind of gradual changes. Regular listeners to the show will also have followed me on this journey because they'll have heard regular conversations between me and him and in the road trip episodes I put out earlier this year you can kind of see the journey that my dad has been going on the changes that have happened around how he kind of interacts with the world how he experiences the world if you are interested in that stuff then I'd love you to go and read the pieces that I've been writing I published them all on medium and they're called down to a sunless sea memories of my dad the last of the eight went out last thursday and in the spirit of those 
pieces and in the spirit of the fact that I've been thinking about my dad a lot. The first of these two stories that I'm sharing with you today is a story about my dad. It's a story that I've told in different ways on Getting Better Acquainted over the years since I started back in 2011 and I think this version of the story kind of sums up a lot about where I am in terms of my dad at the moment. My dad is my oldest friend in a couple of different ways. Like, first of all, he's like the first person I made friends with, by which I mean, you know, when I was a little child, he actually listened to me and he was interested in the things I had to say, unlike the rest of the adult world. And so I became actual friends with him much earlier than most adults that I knew. Uh, But he's also my oldest friend because he's 93 years old. So he's 93 now. When I was born, he was 58. So all my life, he's basically been a retired person. Like, so that meant that he, you know, looked after us when we were little. He was actually what people would consider quite a progressive uh, male role model in the household. He did all of the housework. He did all of the childcare. And my mum went out to work. Uh, it's more complicated than that, but I, I'm simplifying it for this story. That's kind of the, the introduction I had to my dad uh, as a person. He was very vibrant and full of life. When I was six years old, uh, I woke up. I was on a family uh, holiday with my dad. Uh, staying at his ex-wife's house, which is, again, too, more, too complicated to explain in this story. Um, and I woke up in the morning and I was sharing a bed with my dad and I was expected to see my dad next to me in bed. And uh, he wasn't there. And immediately I just kind of had this kind of panicked moment. I was just like, like my dad wasn't there. He was supposed to be there. I didn't know what, to, what was happening. And I went into the next room uh, where he was uh, lying in bed in his ex-wife's bed, I guess, uh, but lying in bed uh, with everybody kind of, a lot of adults around. Everyone was very worried about him and I was told that he'd had a minor heart attack uh, which you know actually calmed me down he was sat up in bed he was okay he'd been up drinking in the night and he'd worried about something with his heart and he'd carried on drinking and then he'd be like oh maybe I should uh, do something about this and then he'd well, luckily he was with a family friend who used to be a nurse and so he and so he got kind of quickly diagnosed and so yeah that happened and so from then on I kind of I guess I was vaguely aware of the idea of death and that kind of came more to me when I was kind of around 10 and I started thinking about existential thoughts like you know what if you die and there's nothing afterwards do you even exist and then I was like ah death and then I was like ah death my dad my dad who's old who I already know has had a heart attack and so I started to be worried about my dad worried that he would die um and you know he will uh, spoiler alert that happens to everybody um but you know it was a it was kind of an overpowering knowledge in my kind of childhood and adolescence like he had a terminal illness that's the same one that we've all got but it was it was much more clear to me I knew his how old he was and so like then when I was 15 years old uh, my dad had uh, angina he kind of went into the doctor and they decided to do a quadruple heart bypass Uh, well actually you know it was a triple heart bypass but when they got in they decided to go uh, for an extra a valve or whatever it is uh, to complete the set so he was put in for this uh, for this heart bypass and he went in you know he went in he was quite calm he was quite happy because he was like I had a really good war I was very lucky during the war uh, so this is my chance to actually put my life on the line so he was pretty chill uh, about it Um, but I was not chill about it because my dad 
dad was going, you know, into an operation where he might die. My my best friend, my my oldest friend at least, was going uh, in, into this operation. Um, so that day when he was going into to, uh, theatre, I, I woke, I kind of was awake early and I was kind of pacing around my bedroom and then there was a, a, the doorbell rang uh, to our house and I went down to, the, to, the, to answer the door and there standing in, in, in the front, in the doorway, was a really, really tall, big guy uh, who kind of had his eyes don't really like look in the same direction so you don't really know if he's looking at you uh, and this uh, smaller guy really small but really stocky guy with a big deep voice who's very very hyper masculine uh, these were my friends guys so don't worry they weren't just strangers um, and there they were these two guys who I kind of was in a band with I kind of did teenage stuff like playing computer games stuff like that um, like we, we we went out drinking we didn't really talk about our feelings uh, and we didn't talk about our feelings in this moment either instead they said hey Melvin which was my nickname which is again too long a story to complete here Uh, but uh, they said hey Melvin uh, we're taking you out to the art gallery now these guys are not ever guys who'd ever been to an art gallery. I don't think in their lives. Like, are they, like, what, like I, I'm not. I don't think they would feel slandered for me to say they're not particularly into art. Like the, the, these days, uh, one of them is the richest guy I know. He's a builder. Um, the other guy is kind of into songs and stuff, but not kind of like classical stuff. Anyway, th- uh, they, they took. I wasn't necessarily into the art either. Like we went to the art gallery and it was really boring art. It was just like rich white people on horses. Um, but like something like about the fact that they took me out and they gave me a focus and they understood something without even expressing it that I needed like that meant friendship to me and that was like the biggest kind of act I think of friendship that I can think of that's been done for me uh, in my life and I I don't see those guys that much anymore uh, but I do sometimes you know my mum moved away from where they live and so now I don't really go can't go home to where they are but I think of them every day like they are in my my heart every day of my life as is my dad who I now live really near to so I can be there for him and I kind of go around to his house every day and I kind of open his jars for him and I talk with him and I uh, and I tr- and I roll his joints for him and uh, and you know we kind of try to connect in the ways that we used to but now he's 93 age is here like I never thought he would be alive when I was 35 uh, and he is but he isn't as well because he's get, got mild dementia and he is starting to not be fully the person who he's always been and that's hard to witness it's hard to experience that with someone you're so close to and they're not they're not they're not quite themselves but they know it and they don't want that to be the case but they can't get back who they were and I see that every day And it's always in my mind again now, like even after he survived all of those heart attacks, my dad's death is like my my constant back uh, drop of my life. But, you know, I'm so glad that he has lasted this long. And I thought that I was scared of him dying, but now I'm looking forward to it because he will, he wants it now. He kind of wants to die and he's had an amazing life. And so it's time. And so I look forward to it in some ways, even though obviously I will be heartbroken because my oldest friend will have died. So this next story that I'm sharing with you is a story that I told in the first episode of Getting Better Acquainted 
all of those years ago. A version of this story was the first story that I ever told at Spark London, a long time before I became a host and a member of the Spark London team, back in the days when nearly all of the work that I made was fictional and I hardly ever looked at myself or did personal work or true story work. Now, years later, one of the major things that I do is true storytelling and personal essays and thinking about myself. And this story is a version of that story that's happened after all of those years and reflects on that process and tells the story in a different way, in a way that chimes much more with the way that I understand myself now and the world now. Who knows, in a few years' time, maybe I'll tell this story in a completely different way and then I'll share that with you again in order for us to kind of reflect on the ways that stories change over the years. One of the ways that this story is changed is that I make a mistake in it. Ironically, I was telling this story at a night where the theme was miscommunication and that word got into my head. And so instead of saying mistaken identity, which was the theme of the first night at Spark where I told this story originally, I say it was a night themed around miscommunication. So I got that wrong that's what happens when you tell stories you get things wrong and sometimes the things that you get wrong you don't notice that you've got wrong and then they get embedded within your way of telling that story and that's one of the ways that stories change over time the more that we tell them so I wanted to flag that up here in case it seemed contradictory to anybody who's heard different versions of the story you're right I made a mistake so all of the presents were kind of laid out around the tree uh, and it was Christmas Day and I was around, I don't know, eight or nine uh, and it was my job to give out the presents to the family which I was taking very, very, very seriously because I really wanted everybody to be happy uh, and I will tell you more about why that was as we go through this story. But uh, yeah, so I go through and I make a pile by everybody. Uh, uh, the people there are my mum, my stepdad, my little sister, and uh, my my older brother may or may not have been there. I don't know. Um, but that that was a, a small family group, and so the piles get you know quite quite big by each person. Uh, and uh, I kind of finished. Uh, nothing's gone wrong at this point, uh, so I'm quite happy about that. Uh, and it's pointed out to me, no, 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 Dave, you've missed one. And and I. I look and I look down behind the tree and uh, there's this tiny little kind of present there a package there that I hadn't seen Uh, and so I I, I pick it up I look on the front of it it says Dave uh, so I I rip it open uh, and uh, there in my hand is a Mars bar and then everything goes crazy and there is a hell of a lot of anger about what I've just done. And I have no understanding of why that is. <laughs> now, to give you some context, we'd moved house from a kind of idyllic small village in North Wales, where I kind of had my first eight years of my life, or, well, three to eight, but I don't remember the first three years. So I had this idyllic time uh, in North Wales, uh, in the countryside. It was beautiful. It was lovely. My mum, my dad, and my stepdad all lived in the same house, which is a bit of a weird setup, but it worked very well for me. Um, And that was great. 
But then what happened was, when I was eight years old, my stepdad got a job in Coventry, and we moved uh, from this idyllic place to Coventry. And we didn't just move, we split apart. And suddenly, my mum and my stepdad lived uh, in in one house with me and my my little sister, and uh, my uh, dad lived in a flat. And I don't know if you know very much about Coventry... Uh, it's it's not necessarily in some ways the best place to live, I think, but then I did have a really shit time there. So uh, I may be colouring that city in, you know, my own personal traumas. But the thing about Coventry that most people know is it's got two cathedrals. Uh, one is the, the beautiful new cathedral that's all about hope and, and wonder uh, that was born out of the ashes of the Blitz, right? So the old cathedral got bombed and the new cathedral grew out of the ashes of that and so you've got both of those those cathedrals there you've got the ruins and you've got this wonderful place of hope now I felt like the house I lived with my mum and my stepdad was the ruins it was the place where the bombs had hit and were still hitting quite regularly and uh, the and the my dad's flat that I went to only at weekends was kind of the new cathedral a place of kind of hope and happiness where you know I mean it was really again it was kind of you know if if I hadn't had the shit time in the other house, I would have been really spoiled in that place. Like he, he made me cook breakfast in the morning when I went there. He read me the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Lord of the Rings. Like it was like beautiful uh, father-son stuff. Um, but I wasn't having Christmas in the new cathedral. I was having it in the old cathedral. And the, 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 the old cathedral was a place where everything was tense as fuck. Like what happened is, you know, like when my mum and my stepdad had actually got married a kind of click went in my stepdad's head and he kind of started to function very much like a uh, you know a toxic uh, what I would call now I didn't know have this uh, this vocabulary when I was a kid but you know toxic masculinity kind of came to play and he kind of played out that whole kind of thing of like repression and kind of violence and all of those kind of things that come with that and there was a lot of shouting and screaming in that house in the night but in the day it was you know really quiet and like everything was repressed down and then in the night all of the shouting and the screaming would happen again and that was happening uh, next door to my room and the walls were really thin so I heard some really fucked up and complicated adult arguments at a very young age uh, that said on that Christmas day I didn't know that, 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 that I was walking into this trap now I had opened that present right and out of it came a Mars bar, if you remember. Now, I don't like Mars bars, so it was a complicated moment because, I mean, I don't dislike them. They're like, okay, right? So, so I was like, thank you, you know? And that's when my mum was like, you're so selfish, you're so selfish. What have you done? What have you done? And I'm like, I don't know what I've done. And then I looked down at the, uh, the front of the, 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 the present uh, again, and it doesn't say Dave. It says dad. And it doesn't just say like, so this was a present for my stepdad, uh, but it was not from uh, the person who bought it, which was my mum. It was from his daughter. So it was from my little sister. So basically this was a present my mum had bought on behalf of their daughter. Like, like I'm not his child. Right. Um, And, and, and it, but it wasn't just a Mars bar, right? It was like a peace offering, you know? It was like a thing to 
glue the family back together in my mum's mind, right? And I just ripped it open and like shoved that in everybody's face. So she was like, you know, you've, you've, you're spoiled, you've ruined Christmas, right? Like, it's a cliche, but that's what she said. You know, I mean, I do think this a lot about my traumatic events in my life. Like, if only my mum could have been a little bit more original, it would have been a bit cooler. Uh, but like, so yeah, so you've ruined Christmas, all of that stuff. And she's sort of storms out of the room, slams the door, like I can hear her stomping up the stairs. And then my stepdad grabs me by the arm and he pushes me back into the Christmas tree. And I can still feel like the spines in my back now when I think about this. Uh, and he hit me and he said, you know, you've, you've upset your mother. And uh, like, that was like the main message, you know, like I ruined Christmas, I ruined my mother, I ruined everything. Uh, But the thing is, you know, like when I first told this story, this was the first story I ever told at Spark, right? And and, and when I did that, the theme was miscommunication. And I was like... uh, looked in my life and I was like oh yeah that old story that's a, a story of miscommunication and, and, I, and I, I told the story in the rehearsal because it was back then we had some rehearsals and uh, the note was given back to me like why do you want to tell this story and I was like well I've got no reason you know it just it just happens to be a story that fits the theme but then when I told it and when I told it to a room I suddenly realized it's a story about child abuse right story about child abuse guys hey uh, but I didn't know right I didn't have that vocabulary at that moment in my life I didn't know that this was an abuse I told it to a room full of people and they you know listened to it and some of them afterwards said they also felt this way and over time I've come to realize that the reason I told that story is it's because it was the story that I had to tell like all of my life I'd never really said it to a room full of people and found out that that was an abusive time so that's the story of why I need a content note for Christmas One of the things that made getting a standard episode of Getting Better Acquainted difficult to do this week was that additional to my other editing workload, uh, a friend of the podcast reached out to me and asked if I was interested in doing a podcast promo swap so that on his podcast he advertises my shows and on my shows I advertise his podcast. And I said, yes, that's great. Let's do that. And then I realised I didn't have something that I could give him, so I had to make it. And in the spirit of that, here he is telling you about his show. Hey you, do you like politics? No, of course you don't. Absolutely no one does. Politics is even less fun than that board game with the pegs. You know the one, little pegs, little tiny multicoloured pegs. No one liked it. Yeah, that one, exactly. The problem is, politics affects absolutely everything, from that game with the little pegs to your favourite cheese or what poncho to wear when it's humid but cloudy, all the way to less important stuff like education, health, affording to live and how many times you break your TV swearing at it because the Prime Minister has said something awful again. I'm Tina Duyeb, despite all of my efforts, and every week I waste away my Mondays to bring you the Partly Political Broadcast, a podcast that looks at politics with a dirty side eye and then makes a ton of jokes about it before interviewing a different, genuinely clever guest each week who can actually explain it, and then just when you're sick of crying at the horror of everything, throws in jokes again. Phew! From your Brexits to your Trumps to your global crisis to your economies to your whatever-the-hell-happy-slapped-uncooked dough man Boris Johnson has said this week, subscribe and listen to Partly Political Broadcast on the podcast app of your choice and it will all be explained. Unlike that game with the pegs. You know the one. You know the one with the little, with the little coloured pegs. Ah, oh, it's such a stupid game. 
Partly Political Broadcast is out every Tuesday, ready to be fired into your ears like an unwarranted North Korean missile. So there's no point in me playing my promo for Getting Better Acquainted that I put together because all of the pieces that I used for that are from quite recent episodes. But if you're a listener to Getting Better Acquainted and you haven't heard The Family Tree, my other podcast, which I should stress When I say my other podcast, that doesn't mean I'm the only person responsible for that podcast. It's a podcast that I co-produce with my partner and it is as much her work as my work. But if you haven't heard that show, here's something that we put together to tell you why you should. My name's Dave Pickering and I'm an award-winning podcast maker. You may have heard me featured on Radio 4 or see me in The Guardian. I'm known for making intimate and personal work both as a storyteller and as an in-conversation podcaster. A couple of years ago, I decided to turn all of that on its head and together with my partner, Jenny Adamthwaite, began creating a magical realist podcast drama series called The Family Tree, which blurs the line between fantasy and reality. Season one began with the character of me interviewing a family about the mysterious circumstances surrounding a death. But slowly, it took us in different and often very surprising directions. Season two is now well underway. And to be honest, it's hard to tell you much about it without giving you all kinds of spoilers. What I can tell you is that it mixes together fiction and non-fiction through drama, comedy, conversation, mystery, confession, history and culture. And it includes interviews with real people from podcasting, media, politics, science, religion and the arts. Real life guests have included Helen Zaltzman, Nikesh Shukla and Marlo Mack, creator of the podcast How To Be A Girl. The Family Tree explores themes around identity, family, change and belief. And it contains brilliant performances by super talented people from a broad range of performance backgrounds, including stand-up, acting and spoken word. The Family Tree is difficult to categorise, but reference points include Sense8, Ghostwatch, S-Town, Leftovers, The Bright Sessions and WTF with Mark Maron. We recommend starting at the beginning of season one for the full experience, but you could also jump into season two without getting too lost. You can find out more about the show at thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk and you can listen to it there through Apple Podcasts or through any of the other online podcast directories. So join me for one of the strangest stories that I've ever told. So if you want to know more about Spark London True Stories, go over to stories.co.uk. We also have a newsletter to keep you posted. There is a Facebook page for you to like that will also keep you updated. Or you can follow us on Twitter where we're at SparkLDN. And if you like true storytelling, then you might also be interested in another night that I co-produce which happens on the second Wednesday of every month at the Dog Star in Brixton. It's called Smut Slam and it's true stories about sex. And it's hosted by the amazing Miranda Kane and created by the also amazing Cameron Moore. So come along to the next one on the 8th of November at the Dog Star in Brixton. 
The theme that night is Big Bangs to go along with this whole firework night type thing that happens around this year. We've got some great judges. There's prizes you can win. You win sex toys and you hear amazing stories about sex and sexuality. And the night is an inclusive one which welcomes everybody and every kind of story apart from stories which do not involve consent and apart from people who tell stories that kind of other other people in whatever way. So it's a night of stories about sex and sexuality but it's designed to be a night about consensual sex and sexuality and about positive expressions of sex and sexuality not necessarily positive stories but positive expressions of sex and sexuality it's a sex aware night rather than a sex positive night because it's complicated to feel positive about sex not everybody does and we don't want to exclude people who don't it is a night where we are trying to make the space as safe as possible. And so this is around the point in the show where I ask my guests to say goodbye to the audience. I'm going to say goodbye to you. But first, before I do, I'm going to throw a few more plugs for things that I do at you. So if you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people, then you might be interested in my solo show, What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity, which you can listen to for free as a podcast. And you can also read the survey of a thousand men's opinions about patriarchy and masculinity that I put together. You can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk or you can look for Stand Up Tragedy on iTunes and listen to the most recent podcast, which is a full version of that show. As I mentioned earlier on, if you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship and, again, a little bit about masculinity, then check out my essay series, Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of my dad. Do please check out The Family Tree. Season two is going to some really interesting places, and we've worked out a plot for season three, which again is going to take it to some amazing places. So please do check out the show at thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk, but also consider becoming a patron and contributing to our patreon campaign and helping us to make the show because it does cost money to make the show it certainly costs a lot of time to make the show and we could really do with your support and even if you don't listen to the family tree consider becoming a patron to the family tree because if you listen to getting better acquainted and you like what i do with this show then a way that you can give something back to me for all of the free content that I've given to you over the years is to support the family tree and help that show to grow. And finally, Getting Better Acquainted can be found anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. It's on Twitter at GBA Podcast. The show's Facebook page is just Getting Better Acquainted. And if you want to email me about the show, you can do that at gbapodcast at gmail.co.uk. If you want to talk to me directly about things that I talk about on the show or about any of my other projects, you can find me on Twitter at Goosefat101. And now it's time to say goodbye. So 
Goodbye, everybody. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>